Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity, entitled Keeping Pace in GI Cancer, advances in immunotherapy in microsatellite instability high or mismatch repair deficient metastatic colorectal cancer, is provided by Prova Education and is supported by an independent educational grant from Merck. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Here is Dr. Edward Chu. Colorectal cancer is a leading cause of cancer-related deaths worldwide and has a five-year survival rate of only 14% in patients with metastatic disease. Patients whose metastatic disease is microsatellite instability high, mismatch repair deficient, demonstrate poor outcomes compared with patients who are not microsatellite instable, mismatch repair deficient. The issue to be discussed today is how we can improve patient outcomes for this particular subset of patients. This is CME on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Edward Chu from the Albert Einstein Cancer Center. And I'm Dr. Michael Overman from the MD Anderson Cancer Center. Okay, Mike, let's go ahead and get started. So what's the underlying mechanism that causes microsatellite instability high, mismatch repair deficient disease, also known as MSI high slash DMMR? Further, how is this mutation detected, and why do patients with this mutation have poor outcomes with standard chemotherapy? I think a really great question for us to start because you know, it is a bit confusing. We use these terms mismatch repair and microsatellite instability uh, and really are similar phenomenons that are occurring, but the fundamental underlying issue at hand is that you have a, a deficiency in one mechanism of DNA repair. And so that's kind of the mismatch repair system, and that's really involved in correcting kind of single base pair insertion and deletions. And so that's really the fundamental thing that's occurring. And so one obvious way is you can look at just protein loss of these mismatch repair proteins, and that's a very common way looking at immunochemical testing. The other way is you can look for the outcome of this loss of mismatch repair. And the outcome, if you're not repairing mistakes in DNA, is that you develop multiple mutations through DNA replication that are not fixed. So generating multiple mutations, kind of high mutation load, and that can be picked up in a mechanism that we call kind of microsatellite instability high. And the reason that works is that these mutations tend to occur at areas of microsatellites or DNA repeats. And so you can look at variation in the length of these DNA repeats. And now we're really talking about the identification of patients that would be appropriate for immunotherapy-based treatment. And that really occurs more in the metastatic space. And there is this really interesting relationship where MSI high or deficiency in mismatch repair has better outcomes in earlier stage patients. But then when metastatic disease happens, it really kind of changes that escape from kind of immune surveillance generates this metastatic uh, deficiency mismatch repair MSI high situation where they have worse outcomes, and there does appear to be kind of less benefit from chemotherapy. Let's turn to the emerging role of immunotherapy in the management of this colorectal cancer subset. And I think a good place to start with this discussion is really probably with the findings of the Keynote 164. And so I wonder, Ed, if you want to kind of take us into that clinical trial and implications and results from that. So Keynote 164 was an international phase two non-randomized study that was conducted in nine different countries around the world. So this study enrolled a total of 124 patients with locally advanced or metastatic MSI high or defective mismatch repair colorectal cancer, and patients had received prior fluoroprimidine, oxaliplatin, and arenotecan-based chemotherapy. And for this study, patients received pembrolizumab at a fixed dose 
of 200 milligrams IV every three weeks for up to two years. I think it's important to note that there were two different cohorts in this study. Cohort A included patients who had been treated with more than two prior lines of standard systemic therapy with chemotherapy with or without biologic therapy, either anti-VEGF or an anti-EGFR antibody treatment. And cohort B was patients who had not been as heavily pretreated, and they had received more than one prior line of systemic therapy. Primary endpoint of Kena 164 was objective response rate, as determined by an independent central review. And I think, you know, what was impressive about this study was that the overall response rates for both cohorts was 33%. The median time to response was about 4.3 months. And I think what was most impressive was at the time of analysis, the median duration of response had not been reached. Also, the responses were really durable. So 95% of the patients had a duration of response more than 12 months which really is, I think, very, very impressive for this group of patients who had been previously treated with systemic therapy. You know, in terms of median PFS for cohort A, that was 2.3 months, and the overall survival was 31.4 months. As one might expect in cohort B, where patients were not as heavily pretreated, the median PFS was 4.1 months, and the median overall survival had not yet been reached. I think another important point to note, Mike, is that the responses were observed in patients with BRAF mutant tumors, as well as in patients who had mutations in KRAS and or NRAS. So I think, you know, 164 is an important study as it confirms the clinical activity of pembrolizumab shows that there's really durable clinical activity with a manageable safety profile in this patient a group with previously treated MSI high defective mismatch repair, advanced or metastatic colorectal cancer. And I think certainly the outcomes from this study are consistent with and provide further support to the earlier studies, you know, that led to the accelerated approval of pembrolizumab for MSI high defective mismatch repair colorectal cancer and other non-colorectal cancer types in the United States in May of 2017. Dr. Overman, we've been discussing the use of immunotherapy in patients who had failed prior therapy for their MSI high, defective mismatch repair, metastatic colorectal cancer. A logical next step is to look at the outcomes from Checkmate 142 with nivolumab, and you were obviously the lead investigator in that study and know that study well. So perhaps you can tell us how these data in Checkmate 142 help to advance our understanding of how immunotherapy can impact outcomes for these patients. Yeah, th- thanks, Ed. No, this was a, a large, you know, clinical trial, the Checkmate 142 study, looking at really this microsatellite instability high deficient mismatch repair population that we initiated back, you know, 2013, actually, and has multiple cohorts in it. It's all single arm cohorts, so there, there's no randomization here, but has multiple different cohorts. And probably the first cohort that went forward was the monotherapy with nivolumab cohort, and that's a a cohort that we published back in 2017. And in that cohort, we enrolled, you know, 74 patients that were refractory metastatic colorectal cancer with this genetic abnormality, so microsatellite instability high and deficient mismatch repair. And out of those 74 patients, we had, again, you know, 31% response rate. And again, the point I like to really make with this population is, you know, the 24-month progression-free survival was, you know, close to about 50%. And I think that really gets at this, you know, clear benefit we see with these patients where you, you really have kind of 
responses that appear durable. You know, I think the outcomes are very similar to what we see, what we just discussed with the Keynote 164 in regards to pembrolizumab, uh, and fairly similar kind of population base that were targeted, uh, again, at, at different times and at different studies. Also within the, the Checkmate 142, there was a cohort that was treated with nevoimab and ipilimumab, so, so combination anti-PD-1 and anti-CTLA-4. Uh, initially, that was, again, a very similar refractory kind of population. That was 119 patients. And in that kind of uh, cohort, we saw a response rate of 55%, and the 24-month progression survival rate was around 70%. So numerically, appeared a little bit higher than the monotherapy cohort, uh, though, again, not designed to be compared and, and not randomized cohorts here. Uh, but conducted within the same study. And, and this really led, those two cohorts led to the FDA approval that exists for nivolumab and nivolumab and ipilimumab in this population. And then I think I'll briefly just mention within the Checkmate 142, there was even another cohort that looked at nivolumab and ipilimumab in the frontline therapy for metastatic colorectal cancer that was microcytulinspity high or deficient in mismatch repair. Uh, and this enrolled a, a smaller 45-patient frontline, so untreated metastatic patients. And in the frontline population, this 45 population, we saw a response rate of 60% and a 24-month PFS approximately about 74%. So again, very robust kind of consistent benefits that appeared similar from frontline to refractory line. Great. For those just tuning in, you're listening to CME on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Edward Chu of the Albert Einstein Cancer Center, and here with me today is Dr. Michael Overman from the MD Anderson Cancer Center. We're just about to continue our discussion on advances in immunotherapy in MSI high defective mismatch repair metastatic colorectal cancer. So, Ed, the next question is for you, and we've discussed at length the findings related to Checkmate 142. However, there is new data now with Keynote 177 that's emerged in the microsilinability high deficient mismatch repair metastatic colorectal cancer frontline population that was pembrolizumab versus standard of care. And so I wonder if you can kind of discuss the, that study with us. So as you know, Keynote 177 really, I think, represents a, a true landmark study. So this was an international phase three randomized multi-center study that enrolled 307 treatment-naive patients. So this was metastatic colorectal cancer in the frontline setting, and patients had MSI high or defective mismatch repair disease. And so in this study, patients were randomized to receive either pembrolizumab at a fixed dose of 200 milligrams every three weeks for up to two years, or to investigators' choice of standard systemic chemotherapy using either modified Fulfox-6 or Fulfiri, plus either the anti-VEGF antibody bevacizumab or the anti-EGFR antibody cetuximab. I think also it's important to note that there was an optional crossover design incorporated in this study where patients who progressed on the standard systemic chemotherapy arm could then receive pembrolizumab at the same dose and schedule of 200 milligrams IV every three weeks for up to 35 cycles. Of note, the study had two primary endpoints, progression-free survival and overall survival. But I think also important to note that as part of the study design, pembrolizumab needed to demonstrate superiority over systemic chemotherapy for only one of the two endpoints for this trial to be considered positive. And the secondary endpoints are what we typically consider overall response rate and, and safety. 
And so at virtual ASCO meeting this year, Dr. Andre presented the results of the PFS analysis. And these results were really remarkable in that the median progression-free survival for patients treated with pembrolizumab was 16.5 months as compared to a median PFS of 8.2 months for those treated with standard systemic therapy. So this represents a doubling of the progression-free survival. And for someone who's been in the colorectal cancer field as long as I have, I mean, this is truly a remarkable result that we've just not observed over the past 15 to 20 years of clinical studies that have focused on the treatment of metastatic colorectal cancer. And when one looks at the hazard ratio, pembrolizumab therapy, resulted in a highly statistically significant 40% reduction in the risk of disease progression. Again, a result that we just haven't seen in any previous clinical study. And as Dr. Overman has noted in our previous discussion, when one looks at the durability of the response at the 12 and 24-month follow-up, the PFS was significantly higher for patients treated with pembrolizumab And when we look at two years, the PFS rate was 48.3% for those treated with pembrolizumab versus only 18.6% for patients treated with systemic chemotherapy. And if one looks at the forest plot, uh, that also confirms the benefit of single-agent pembrolizumab really across all of the main subgroups, which include age, gender, ECOG, performance status, geographic region, and site of primary tumor. Overall response rates were higher with pembrolizumab therapy. But again, I think as we've noted previously, what's really impressive with pembrolizumab therapy is the complete response rate. And so in Keynote 177, the complete response rate seen with pembrolizumab therapy was 11% as compared to only 3.9% for patients treated with chemotherapy. So this is nearly a three-fold difference in the complete response rate seen with pembrolizumab therapy. And again, the duration of response um, significantly longer in patients treated with pembrolizumab. So 83% of the patients treated with pembrolizumab had a response lasting longer than two years, in contrast to only 35% of patients receiving chemotherapy had a response for more than two years. So I think, you know, for me, Keynote 177 is really a landmark study in, in, in that it's the first study to show the clear benefit of single-agent pembrolizumab in the frontline treatment of MSI-high, defective mismatch repair, metastatic colorectal cancer. And really, I think the findings from this study are truly practice-changing. And based on the results of this uh, historic study, pembrolizumab was approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration at the end of June of this year, 2020, for the first-line treatment of patients with unresectable or metastatic MSI-high or defective mismatch repair colorectal cancer. So this has certainly been a terrific conversation uh, and discussion. But before we wrap up, Mike, can you share your one take-home message with our audience? Yeah, thanks, Ed. I mean, I I think the one take-home message would really be that, you know, we need to test all of our colorectal cancer patients for this underlying abnormality. So, So mismatch repair deficiency or a microcyte instability high. And in part really, you know, related to the, the idea of identifying Lynch, right, patients and, and then potentially preventing cancers. And now, you know, with the, the secondarily idea of identifying patients that are eligible for immunotherapy with the potential there for, you know, durable, maybe even, you know, curable kind of outcomes from immune therapy, really two just amazing uh, potential benefits from from testing that emerge 
And so really just stresses the need for us to really consistently in every colorectal cancer patient be testing for this. Yeah, and it's critically important that, you know, we test all of our patients, you know, with metastatic colorectal cancer for their MSI high defective mismatch repair status, because clearly then if they are in that group, then they should receive, you know, immunotherapy with pembrolizumab, you know, either in the disease refractory setting or now based on the landmark Keynote 177 study, they actually can receive pembrolizumab monotherapy as their frontline treatment of choice. But also to expand that to uh, in patients who have non-colorectal cancer disease and who have progressed on uh, whatever treatments they've received, that also one should also assess for the MSI high defective mismatch repair status because they also could benefit pretty significantly from pembrolizumab uh, monotherapy. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. So I would like to thank our audience for listening in. And thank you, Dr. Overman, for joining me and for sharing all of your valuable and terrific insights. It was great speaking with you today. Thank you, Dr. Chu. It was really a pleasurable podcast. You have been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Prova Education and is supported by an independent educational grant from Merck. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to ReachMD.com slash Prova. Thank you for listening.